0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Bench Warmer. As always, I'm your host, Kobe Kanan. We thank you all for listening today. Also, we thank Martin Samoska for that zesty intro, Marty Beats. Be sure to follow. Look out for more. As always, how are we? You know, it dawned on me. I sort of came across as a shrink my last episode on marathon running. The art of challenge, telling people how to live their lives. Life lessons from a 20 year old who hasn't accomplished that much. A shrink. And then it came to me. I had an epiphany, an epiphany, if you will. I've always been like this. I've always been a shrink. I've always thought I had, I possessed some form of, bizarre wisdom. Maybe because I used to watch Star Wars. Always thought I was a Jedi Knight. The lessons of Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi followed me everywhere I went. Do I do not. That's a terrible Yoda impression. I will not go further. I do apologize. Preschool, I said, when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, Luke Skywalker. I'm still not Luke Skywalker. So I feel I have this weird desire to give wisdom that sometimes doesn't make sense. Like whenever my friends ask me advice, for some reason I always quote movies that don't make sense and pass it off as my own advice. Great example of it. One of my friends was asking advice on just life, and I quoted "Wedding Crashers," of course. Just a terrible, terrible. It wasn't "Ma, where's the meatloaf." It was some uh, some other obscure advice. It was either from that or old school, some form of a Vince Vaughn movie. Because when he starts rambling, you listen. So the guy who I'm giving this advice to thinks it's amazing. Wow, Kobe, your 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 wisdom is unique. I really appreciate it. I get a call four hours later. Hey, Kobe, you'll never believe what was on TV today. Wedding crashers. Great effing advice. Yeah. Why do I film and TV and movies? They instill so much wisdom that you pass off as your own got me thinking. There's certain traits as a child that just follow you. Because when you look at yourself as a six-year-old, you're like, oh, I wonder what I'll be like in 20 years, 15 years. How different will I be? And damn it, you're not different at all. You are the same person. Maybe a little taller, bigger head, hairier knees, bigger shoes, more cuts and bruises more expensive haircut. Some of us are still wearing clothes from the Gap. But you're basically the same person, same mannerisms, same behavior, talk the same way, same working vocabulary for some of us who haven't matured. When I look at myself, I see the exact same person. In preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, there's no way else to put it. I was a crazy man. Call me Evil Knievel. I would do things that no human would wish upon anyone to do. I gained the nickname in my household and among friends as headfirst. Because I'd basically go into anything headfirst. I remember I, in my elementary school classes, I would think it'd be funny to um, knock on my head like this. and I'd be like, oh, it's hollow. So I'd have every kid in the class knock on my head. How bizarre. Teacher just walking into a class full of 30 kids with 20 kids knocking on the, the Filipino kid's head saying it's hollow. Teacher is probably thinking. Well, shit, we're fucked for this generation. He's not wrong. And there is no filter either. It's funny because kids are the most honest people. They will ask you anything. I remember I went up to my teacher. Why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? This is what I'm asking to a 35-year-old teacher who doesn't want to hear that. I don't... I'm not thinking, I'm not using my brain. Why does your mom live in one house and your dad lives in the other? That's what I'm asking other kids. That's what I'm asking other kids. Kids are honest. You wanna talk about politically correct? Take a look at our children. So I was head first. There was no out of bounds in my life. We're we're gonna go sit on the couch, or we're jumping head first. Going into the water, head first. Jumping into the shower head first. Going on the toilet, head first. I know it's a little nasty, but it's a reputation, people. But this head first reputation obviously had to come with some ill will. Ill will. Ill will. Some of you might not be familiar with the phrase. But almost every child should. Every person has had ill will in their childhood. They've done stupid things. They've caused harm to themselves and others by the decisions we make. Because we don't have that part of our brain developed yet that says, oh, I don't think we should jump off this play structure. Before I go off on a tangent, I'll give you a little short story that really demonstrates this ill will and headfirst mentality. So here we are. You know, I need to stop saying, so here we are. You can make a drinking game out of it if you watch all my, listen to all my podcasts. The amount of times I say, here we are. So here we go. Just kidding. So I'm a six-year-old on a play structure in Santa Monica. Cloverfield Park. Very nice playground. You know, it's one of those playgrounds you look forward to because it's just giant. Playgrounds as a kid were the craziest thing. You had the kids on the swings who were, you know, singing to themselves. Kids running around like crazy. Kids going down head first on the slide. Kids fighting in the sandbox. And there was me. I was like Usain Bolt out there. I was just running circles around the play structure, running into anything that moved. But this playground, the architect of it is a moron. Now, when you design a playground, personally, I have no experience. You would think you would discuss, you would design one that is childproof, that ca- can't cause any injury. So at this specific playground, they designed a play structure that had a rope entry where, you know, you climb a wall, but you're holding onto the rope at the same time. There are 25-year-olds who can't do this, but they expect a six-year-old to climb it in no time. Now, let me come back to the idea when I mentioned the influence that movie, films, TV have on a young child. You think it's real life. So I'm climbing this rope structure. Climbing this rope structure. And it's funny, when you picture yourself in third person, you never picture yourself. You know, like when you're picturing yourself in third person doing something cool, you're like, I'm Indiana Jones. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm Tarzan when I'm climbing this rope. When in reality, you're a, you're a four foot five a little Filipino kid with a bowl cut who's got no upper body strength and has no idea how to swing. So we're climbing this rope. My brother's in front of me. He made it up the rope easy. He was a little taller, two years older. I mean, he de- he had developed some sense, some maneuverability, some common sense. He knew what he was doing. Now, head first had different plans. So here I go, climb up the rope, step by step. And then I don't know what happened. Maybe a switch flipped and my brain went, I'm Tarzan. I'm Luke Skywalker. In my mind, I was visualizing the scene from Empire Strikes Back when Luke Skywalker swings from the bottom of an at on a on a cable and and, and, and destroys it. Because he's hanging off the cable. So then I decided to become Luke Skywalker. I swung off that rope. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how far I flew. I think I was, if I remember right, I was doing backflips through the air. I looked like a plastic bag in the wind. I let go of that rope and I just, I was floating through the air. floating it, it was like slow motion just a kid flipping flipping and bam hit the ground hit that you know that it, it's not asphalt you know that um that playground ground it's like rubbery hit that hit the ground hard now this is like a Saturday this is prime time at the play structure. you got all the clicks all the all the groups there. All the parents. I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded. It looked like the Third Street Promenade when all the people gather around a street performer. Hundreds of people. And there's like hundreds of kids surrounding me. It looked like a scene from the Children of the Corn when they were sacrificing someone. So I'm laying on the ground. I rise. Now, I don't know what's going on. I just flew. I just went for a joy ride. So I've seen stars. At this point, I was not feeling like Luke Skywalker. Lower hurt. And I get up. You know, and I see all these kids' faces of curiosity. And all these parents of curiosity turn into into fear. And then I've just... Surrounded with the screams of young children. And some parents. Some parents. I'm thinking, oh shit, must have had a bad hair day. Maybe a bloody nose of all these people are screaming. Maybe I have some boogers in my nose. I go to lick my teeth. You know when you're nervous, sometimes you lick your teeth? No. Play with your tongue a little bit in your mouth. So playing with my teeth. And I'm, I'm moving around my mouth with my tongue. Then I notice my tongue's not in my mouth. It's outside my mouth. I had flown off a play structure because I thought it was Tarzan. And the consequence was I got the fattest hole in my cheek. Now my brother's freaking out. My mom is freaking out, who is a nurse. So she's saying every medical term in the book, and I have no idea what the hell she's saying. I'm not freaking out. I'm like, ooh, I got a hole in my cheek. That's pretty sick, man. No idea, not thinking of what's going to happen to me. My mom's going, what happened? What happened? And I'm not going to tell her the truth. As your kid, you never tell your parents the truth that you're responsible for it. So I go... My brother Jake pushed me off the play structure. Blame your brother when it comes to when the when 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 it gets bad, people blame it. Especially when you're injured, because the truth will never come out till years later. It's coming out right now, about 15 years later. So I got this hole in my cheek. So. For viewers who are listening, well, I mean, that's the only way that you're going to see this. Uh, Why do I keep saying you're going to hear this podcast? The hole in my cheek, you could have put like two quarters. That's how big it was. You could see my, like, you could see my tongue from the side of my face because of the hole. You could put your fingers in your mouth and touch the other finger on the other side. It was sort of awesome. We didn't really get a photo. This was pre-smartphone, iPhone age, which is a damn shame because the people listening, if I had Snapchat, man, I would have been doing my Joker impression. You know how I got these scars? You know how I got, mother got You know, I would have been doing that the whole time. It would have been content, people. It would have been content. So I would have used my injury for social media fame. So, you know, all these kids are surrounding me and all these parents who think they know what the hell they're talking about are going, oh, you know, he's got this blah, 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 blah. I'm shocked I didn't break a bone. I mean, I flew people. I must have gone like 50 feet in the air and just bam, no broken bones, just a hole in the cheek. So, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I could have broken my neck, lost an earlobe or something, lost a toe. I got this hole in my cheek. As I mentioned many times, if anyone is listening to this, I want to know what the count is on how many times I've said hole in the cheek. So I got this hole in my cheek. We got to get him to the hospital emergency room ASAP. So I get to the emergency room. This is my first emergency room visit. So, oh, you I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty cool. This is like the TV. This, You know, this. I'm back to the movie and TV stuff. They're offering me pudding, applesauce, some with like these strange white things in them. Obviously, they're pills, but I'm just happy to be getting fed pudding in applesauce. And all these—I uh, don't know why. I don't know they were doing a class, but there's like eight doctors in there, some students possibly, some residents. And they're all debating, oh, what should we do? What should we do? Stitch him up. Da-da-da, da 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 -da -da. And my mom's thinking, what's going to happen to his face? Now, I know you're all thinking, Kobe, you got a beautiful face as it is right now. Like picture perfect. But it almost wasn't that way. They wanted to put stitches on my face that would have left immediate scar. I would have looked like the Joker. All of you look picture what I look like now and picture myself with makeup. I would have dressed like the Joker and the Clown if I had stitches. Half my face would have looking like a like a roller coaster track of stitches. My mom was not having it. There weren't many other options, but the only other option was plastic surgery. Plastic surgery? I'm thinking of myself. That's like the stuff in Beverly Hills. Now you don't see a lot of six-year-olds with plastic surgery. You don't. You just don't. Unless you see the, you know, you see those dads and and moms who go into the, you know, go with their kids and they go, Can you make them more look more like mother or father? So maybe in Beverly Hills you have some six year olds with plastic surgery. But it's not very common. So I'm thinking plastic surgery. What what are they going to get a Ralph's bag and just put it on my face? I'm not thinking at this point. Plastic surgery. It's another realm. It's another dimension. Something. Okay, let's get over with this. Star Wars, the Clone Wars is at 7 p.m. We need to get home. Come on, people. Let's get going. Did not turn out like I thought it would. So they're saying, "Okay, we're going plastic surgery," and what does that entail exactly? I'll tell you exactly what it entails. We're talking a five-hour surgery, five-hour surgery on the face. So they didn't put, they didn't have me go to sleep or anything. No anesthesia. Just five hours of working on my face. Now you're thinking to yourself, how do you expect a six-year-old to not move for five hours while they do surgery on his face? I'll tell you exactly. They don't expect a kid, a six-year-old not to move. So then that's why they do some special on you. They called it the burrito. Now I'm a big fan of burritos. So when the guy says, we're going to give you a burrito, I'm getting excited. Bean cheese, maybe a little sada, shrimp. I mean, at this point, I was, I think... The biggest burrito connoisseur as a six-year-old. I don't think anyone respected the art of burrito making like I did at that age. So he says, burrito. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. You got corn. You got flour. What are we talking? And this was not a burrito that any of you would like. Got really deep right there. So this lady walks in the room with like 80 towels and a bunch of scotch tape and duct tape. I'm thinking, what the hell is that for? Is that for the face? So that's when they wrap my arms around my body. It was like a Houdini trick. And they start taping. Duct tape, towels. And I can't move. It must have taken them 15 minutes to just put the burrito on me. So now I, I have a greater respect for the fillings in a burrito. Because if that's what they feel like, damn it, I'm never eating a burrito again in my life. I could not move my body. Couldn't move a muscle. Couldn't couldn't itch myself. It's funny. you, You know, you're never itchy until you can't itch, you know? The body, for some reason, thinks, oh, wow, you can't get to that spot? Let me make it itchy to torture you. So I can't move for five hours. I got a plastic sheet over my face. I got that big, you know, that big spotlight, sort of like at the dentist's office they got on your face. Just on my face, and they're just stitching me up. Plastic style. Five hours go by. And the the damn doctor and nurses, I couldn't, they couldn't beat this drum hard enough. They knew I was a Star Wars fan, so every two minutes, do it like Luke Skywalker would. God, I hated Luke Skywalker by the end of that surgery. Five hours of not moving and just stitches. I don't know. It must have been like 200 stitches or something. Must have been the only six-year-old to have plastic surgery. It's 2020. It's probably completely different. You probably got six-year-olds lining up for nose jobs. So five hours go by. Surgery is a success. Face is recovered, looking beautiful as ever. But the aftermath of the surgery was interesting. You see, I had to wear a, a bandage over my face for like three months. And then I had to go back to school. And man, did I use that war story. That war story, I beat it like a drum. I think I must have told kids I got like shot in the face or something. They must have been telling their parents. What six-year-old in the Palisades getting shot in the face? I took a lightsaber to the face, people. I was so proud of the fact. I would tell every person I met, you know I got plastic surgery? You know, I got plastic surgery. I would be shocked. People are like, "I don't know that's something to brag about," but I was freaking bragging about it. Then I had to massage my cheek with my tongue, and it just looked weird, man. Thank God it didn't happen when I was in high school. I would have made so many jokes would have been made about what my mouth looked like because I was massaging the side of my face with my tongue. I would have made, looked like I was making some form of gesture, which I was not. I mean, I was a six-year-old. So head first mentality, film, television, movie has great influence on children. Still does. Honestly, probably, if I went to that play structure right now, I'd probably do the same damn thing. And the other side of my face would have had a hole in my cheek, and we would have been two for two on plastic face. So I'm basically two-face. Half of me is real. Half my face is real. The other is artificial. But you can't tell which one it is. But I do. Yeah, there's certain consequences to decisions we make as a young child. It's a learning phase. Trial by error. We learn how to live by falling off play structures and getting five-hour surgeries. I'll tell you what I've never been to that well, I've been to that playground once since then but I haven't climbed a rope since it's probably where my fear of heights has come from but we make stupid decisions as a child that results in certain things that we must learn from now I'm no parent but I can tell you this when I'm a parent sure I'll put the safety guards on. But it's important not to, because I, if all you are listening here, you've all burned your hand on the stove, you've all done stupid things, but that's how we learn. But I'm not saying, you know, you learn from playing with real swords or finding your parents gun, but doing stupid things that we don't know are stupid allows us to evolve To not jump off those play structures. To not almost break your neck going to sit on the couch. To not seeing how long I can hold my breath in a pool. That was always the stupidest thing. I was still doing it at the beginning of high school. You'd go up to your front. How long can you hold your breath? It's like you're waiting for someone to just float to the top. We learn from doing stupid things. No person is a complete human when they come out of the the womb. It's like a mouse going for that cheese. You keep going for that cheese. You don't know why. But then you eventually learn that cheese is going to cause you to get your tail snapped off. We all learn. We're still learning. See, I'm turning into a shrink again, but I think it's important. You take risks. You risk it for the biscuit. You explore things you don't know. And the hopes that you'll learn something from it. Damn it, I learned something from falling off that play structure and getting, getting plastic surgery. I became more paranoid, more hypersensitive, if you will. I mean, if any of you know me now, obviously you do, you're listening to the podcast. I'm the most paranoid person, which is funny because as a child, I was not. I was bouncing off the walls, And now I'm calculating everything, ordering a BLT from a place and thinking, oh, this tomato might not be in season, might cause me to have maybe an upset stomach or food poisoning, if you will. Maybe if it's from Northern California, it'll be more prone to food poisoning if it wasn't a tomato from Southern. Like, this is how I'm thinking now. And it all came from falling off a place structure. Man, but that story on plastic surgery just got me thinking. How fun was it to be a kid? Really? Just a time when you're exploring and learning, and there's really no consequence. Sure, you'll get a hole in the cheek, but no grave consequence. I remember I used to go to this like youth group thing when I was really young. For some reason, when you're a kid, every time you learn a new word, you want to just use it that whole day and you're using it completely wrong, but you love that it's a new word and you're using it in your working vocabulary. So you're saying things you don't even know the meaning to, no context, you're just throwing it out there. And this, I think, summarizes what it's like to be a kid and having no idea what the hell you're saying. So we're playing tag at this church. And playing tag with all these kids, all these boys and girls. And I thought I got someone out. I was furious because I felt that as if she had lied. So I turned to the pastor and I go, blah, blah, blah should be out. I tagged her on the bosom. My pastor's jaw dropped. What did you just say? Bosom? Yes. Is there uh, something wrong? I just said bosom. I tagged her in the bosom. I didn't know what bosom meant. For some reason, I thought it meant shoulder. So I'm going, yeah, those are the rules. I tagged her in the freaking bosom. She's got a fat bosom. And she's not out. That's what I'm saying as a kid. Man, did I get a talking to. Pastor took me and said, you can't say that, blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 da. Got in trouble. Because I'm a moron and didn't know what it meant. Trial by air, people. There's certain things you learn as a kid. We don't have filters. We are not a Brita filter. That's the closest I've gone to having a filter as a kid, drinking out of one of those. You just say what's on your mind. You don't care. Oh, you smell today. Oh, you look ugly. There's no such thing as thinking to yourself as a child because you will just say it. And it's funny when you're with your parent at like a store or out of the house or just around other people. You think when you're talking to them, only they can hear you. So you'll be like, wow, that man looks really weird. Uh, am I, and your parents are always like, "Shh, don't what what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Shut up. You have that you think you have that secret like mind to mind only conversations that you're having. only they can hear you that other adults are not prone to what you're saying. But it's great because kids are brutally honest. We do weird things. We eat boogers. We miss the toilet when we're peeing, and we'll eat anything. Man, do I miss being a kid. You know, there are a few things you remember from elementary school and like pre-K. Just certain things, you know. You'll remember the cafeteria food. You'll well, not the cat. You'll remember the coffee cake. You'll remember lunch. You'll remember certain things about the classroom. Now, I don't remember anything I learned in elementary school, obviously. I mean, you remember the songs and everything because you had to because you'd sing them 24-7. They were like brainwashing you. Things I remember the most about the classroom is I was always so bored. And then there are two things that you would get. Maybe this is the biggest thing. You would get Pete... Some of us still have PTSD from this. Whenever you would have to read out loud, you'd follow the textbook with your finger. And they, if you called your name, it was like you got drafted into the Hunger Games. You had to read out loud. Are you kidding me? And it's terrible. And then there'd always be those kids who couldn't read. And then the class would laugh. I mean, I told you, kids are honest. So if a kid can't read, kids are going to laugh, and it's hor- it's horrible. And there's almost nothing a teacher can do. I mean, you could yell at a bunch of kids when it's all 30 kids laughing at a kid who can't read. It's terrible. So whenever, you're, whenever it's your turn to read, it's like when you get called on. It felt like you were naked in front of a bunch of other people. Just reading. If you made one mistake. It was the end of the world. Some I still have PTSD for some of those moments in second grade where I had to read about polar bears. Scary time. i always try and get out of class in elementary school because there's certain ways you could take advantage of the system. One specific way. Every time you went to the bathroom, you always had to take a buddy. It's the funniest thing. So I would... Try and get out of class maybe like four times a day, but it was I. I had a small bladder, so it wasn't like I had to pee all the time. So I, I didn't have that problem. I had stage fright, so I couldn't always go in public places. So I'd wait till I got home, but that didn't stop me from going to the bathroom in elementary school. I would specifically ask kids in my class if they needed to go to the bathroom. So if they needed to go, they can ask me. Like I wish they had film or security cameras in the room because you could probably hear me screaming from, "Hey, Tony, you need to take a piss because uh, I can go with you." I, I was destroying the system, and there's nothing my teachers could have done. I was literally asking kids if they needed to go to the bathroom so I could get out for two minutes just to go with them. I was so bored at the curriculum and singing about singing about whatever. You remember th- things like that from elementary school, and then you remember lunchtime. Now, lunch was always an interesting time because you had certain groups. You had the kids who were just talking about what they had for lunch. You know, trading their Cool Ranch Doritos for those cookies. But when you're going to an elementary school in like a nicer area, or or like. In my case, I went to elementary school in the Palisades, and the parents are very health conscious. So, you know, you'd I would have my turkey sandwich, and then next to me, you'd see a little kid with his celery and cucumber sandwich with a nice bolognese. I'll tell you, I'm not trading with him. I was like, it was like elementary school was preparing you to be drug dealers. Man. When you got to those lunch tables, it was business people. And if you didn't honor your trade, you got a hit on your name. You had people ready for you. You didn't give Tony those Lays, those Pringles, those red Pringles, like you said you would, people would come after you. Maybe that's why the PE coaches were so about not letting people trade. Because we're like many drug dealers. You could do better than that. What are you willing to give me for these Milano cookies? That's all you got? Tony's got a better offer for me. Why do I keep using the word Tony? There was no Tony at my school. Gerard. I don't know what these names are coming from. Gerard wants these Milano cookies. What's he going to offer me? I'm going to need three days full of his coffee cake. Like, it got intense, people. Like, we were yelling names at each other. We took our lunchtime trading seriously. So that was one element of lunch. Then another element was the conversations would go sort of like, what did your parents talk about at the dinner table last night? You'd recite everything. I... uh, I was at school in 2008, 2000, yeah, when Obama first won, and kids would be having debates. There'd be seven-year-olds debating about mortgages and the housing crisis and why Obama should win. And the funniest thing, because when you're a kid, you think you know everything. You think whatever you're saying is the scripture, that you're absolutely right. There were literally six-year-olds debating about the NRA. In climate change and the economy at six years old and why this person sucked or this person sucked hilarious banter then you got kickball dodgeball and basketball I mean the play yard is a it's a funny place Kids take their handball seriously, basketball seriously, no filters. You learn how to interact with each other in elementary school, and some of us learned in bad ways. So, if you didn't give me those black those those red Pringles, you were blacklisted from the handball court. I ain't taking you to the bathroom with me to get out of class if you don't give me those Milano cookies.